0: Avengers Infinity War presents an anti-hero, an anti-savior, and an anti-gospel. All in one non-stop superhero thriller. Get ready for spoilers. Are you just watching? Episode 81, Avengers Infinity War. welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained christian i'm eve franklin
1: i'm tim martin
0: well if you're tuning into this podcast okay the warning's gonna come right out this thing's gonna contain spoilers
1: we're not even gonna try
0: we're not even gonna try to discuss this thing without the spoilers so if you're listening and you don't want the movie spoiled stop right now
1: yeah Please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I, I can't imagine that it hasn't been spoiled for you yet because the internet is full of spoilers right now.
1: and it's It's been out for, what, two weeks now?
0: Yeah, two weeks at the time of recording this, and I'm sure by the time we get it out to you in the public, it will be much later than that. Yeah,
1: so. I, I stopped giving spoiler warnings after a month.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim and I are a little slow this month We're- getting our thoughts together.
1: Uh, it's mostly me, but uh, I appreciate you throwing, <laughs> throwing yourself under the bus with me. <laughs> it's, it, I am the slow one here.
0: Yeah, well, life happens, as we were discussing earlier. Yeah. Off, off mic. Um, just a couple of little things. The soundtrack in Infinity War uh, is by Alan Silvestri, another well-accomplished composer. Music yep. fits.
1: He's done a number of the uh, other Marvel films, too. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is all old hat for him.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of the themes are recaptured and reused in this movie. I, I know that the Black Panther theme uh, played a role when they switched into that. So I think they just kind of like used the themes to set set you when you moved around in the movie. And that worked. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll play a little bit of it right here for you. That sets the mood, I guess, for a discussion about Infinity War. Uh, The culmination of the MCU up to this point. I was trying to explain to people what movies they had to have seen before they went to see this. And pretty much all of them.
1: Yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think you could probably have gotten away with missing the second Guardians of the Galaxy and possibly Spider-Man. Though there would have been some emotional impact that would have been lost if you hadn't seen Spider-Man Homecoming.
1: It's definitely, definitely would have had to have seen Black Panther and Black Panther. Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. 1, Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. I think those are the three critical well, no, no, no. ones. And
0: Thor Ragnarok.
1: Oh, yeah. Ragnarok. And, you know, there's there's even some Winter Soldier. Civil War, at least. Civil War. Yeah. yeah. Frankly, yeah, just <laughs> go back. <laughs> Use a time model. stone. Go back. <laughs> six years
0: <laughs> yeah they're all or there.
1: get a movies anywhere account and
2: you know yeah.
0: or we we could share in the show notes that video that i that i shared in our facebook page that kind of gave you all the rundown you needed to know all about the infinity stones before you go see yeah. infinity war you yeah that was that
1: a good video yeah.
0: yeah it's it's on our discussion group if you haven't been in our Are you just watching discussion group on Facebook? I highly encourage you to come check it out. We're a small group. We'd like to grow. We'd like more people in there. We'd like more discussions. So if you like to talk about movies, please come and join us because that's what we want that discussion site to be. Yeah. So we posted some things about an affinity war in there even prior to recording this. So it's a good place to go talk. And it's really hard. I'm sure anybody who's gone to see this movie already has already been on Facebook discussing because there's so much that goes on in this movie it's two hours and 40 minutes it's one of the longest of the mcu and it used every single second of that it did not abuse anything it didn't didn't spend any time in setup Uh, it just threw you right into the action as if you had already watched all the other movies and you knew what was going on because they didn't have a second to waste on reminding you about anything
1: yeah, there's no lead up at all in Mm-mm. this. You're <laughs> face first into it.
0: Yeah, you you actually start at the end of Thor Ragnarok and at the after the teaser of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two.
1: You know, that's actually a good point. It's mm-hmm. as everybody who's seen a Marvel movie knows. There's always uh, a um, either. A mid credits and an after credits, or just an after credits scene, right? Mm-hmm. And I, this was the first movie that actually depended on the after credits scene from one of the other movies. All the other ones were just flavor,
0: yeah, yeah. And actually, but this one
1: actually had a critical element to
0: it. Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, the scene that was at the end of Doctor Strange reappeared in the movie Thor Ragnarok. They actually replayed that scene in the movie. Yeah. And, but yet the, I think it's actually the teaser scenes. I've only seen Ragnarok once, but I think it's actually the teaser scene from Ragnarok that is the lead in. It's when the ship is flying through space and. Right. But yeah, it was the teaser of when the, the ship that's calling all the refugees from Asgard is stopped by the bigger ship. And that's where you're leading into Infinity War. And then the I think the teaser... And once again, I've only seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 once. Well, maybe I have seen it twice now that I think about it. I saw it when it was on Netflix.
1: Yeah, it's still on Netflix. It's still
0: on Netflix, yeah. Or
1: as of this recording, it's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. The big ship that they come up with against is the Sanctuary 2.
0: Yeah. And then they have the the scene where the Guardians hear the distress signal. And and they head towards it so those two scenes are the lead-in towards um the beginning of infinity war so with all that set up (laughs) (laughs) um they really start i mean most people thought going into this movie a lot of characters were going to die and it's very interesting because the speculation going was that it was going to be all of the older avengers to make room for the younger avengers and I, I like to tell people at work that what Infinity what the Infinity War creators did was they set they round tabled it what everybody expected to happen in the movie and then they sat that aside and did something else.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's I mean they they're going in with a comic book series already written that they're mm-hmm. sort of following. Right. But uh yeah, they had to they had to mix it up and I made predictions uh, in the Facebook page, as a matter of fact, I predicted who I thought was going to die, and neither one of them did. Yep,
0: yep, yep. And I was smirking the whole time everybody was making those predictions, because I'd already <laughs> seen the movie. I, I went to a press preview, so I saw it a, long before a lot of people did. And yeah. uh, it, it was kind of interesting, because the girl that I went to see the press preview with, we the whole ride up to the theater, um, it was about a 30, 40-minute drive to the theater we had to go to. And we were discussing what we thought was going to happen and who we thought was going to die. And the discussion coming back from the theater was the fact that all the people we thought were going to die were still alive at the end. And speculation as to how they were going to manage sequels to about half the movies they have planned when the characters no longer exist.
1: Yeah. It's, and you know, I had read a, uh, an article after I saw the movie about, When they wrote Infinity War, it was before Black Panther came out. They claimed they had no idea how big Black Panther was going to be. I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) And uh, Homecoming was already out, and they had already announced Spider-Man sequel. So we know that the death toll is not going to stay the same.
0: Right. Right. Something's got to change. Something big is going to change. And, and we can discuss that at length. The thing is, is that a lot of the speculation is already out there. So I don't know that we're sharing anything new by speculating about what we think is going to happen in the sequel. I do know that the sequel was unnamed because they did not want to spoil Infinity War. And the yep. name for the new movie was going to spoil the end of Infinity War. And so they didn't haven't named it yet. Uh, at least publicly. I'm sure it has a name, they just haven't publicly given it.
1: Did you see they actually released their uh, upcoming movie slate? And they released every single one of them with generic names. <laughs> Marvel movie, Marvel movie, Marvel movie. <laughs> They're really taking it to heart.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I could understand that, you know, there's a lot of expectation riding on this. They can't give much away. And the fact that the next two movies that are coming out, Ant Man and Wasp in July is uh, yep is either concurrent or before Infinity War, and Captain Marvel next March is a Origins movie.
1: Right, which I thought they weren't going to do anymore. I, I found that yeah. interesting.
0: Well, and the, but and they're is, bringing
1: back Phil Coulson.
0: Well, yay! It, it, it's a you know a Captain America style yeah. Origins where you go back in time. So it yeah it, it go, happens it in takes 90s, place in the nineties. So. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. And, you know, the teaser in this, uh, in Infinity War did set up the Captain Marvel movie, sort of. Yep. It was um very subtle setup. And for those of us who have never even heard of Captain Marvel, we had to have it explained to us.
1: Yep. Uh, it's, and, not, and not think it's the guy who says Shazam. <laughs>
0: I guess I, I my uh, education in the Marvel Universe was lacking because I had to have somebody <laughs> explain to me what that symbol meant. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get to see the origin. And I, I guess when we go to see Ant-Man and Wasp, we'll find out what happened uh, to Scott uh, maybe at the end of yeah. uh, Infinity War because he's not actually in Infinity War.
1: Yeah, I, I am curious at the end of Ant-Man and Wasp, will they have people... Will they catch up to the t- yeah timeline yeah. and fade away? My wife and I watch uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh-huh. and they've actually made reference to the events in New York, but nobody's faded away yet. <laughs> and there's like two episodes left in the season. So, they, you know, they may...
0: They may work with it. I don't know. But yeah, they have to Or wait.
1: they may not even tie it in at all. They may it's, not. There's be- rumor that they are, they're, you know, separating off.
0: Well, it kind of makes sense because they if they're going to do another season next year... Their season will be approaching its end before yep. the sequel to Infinity War, so they have to do yeah. it, They have to fit in a whole another year in there somewhere. The other interesting thing is how the Netflix Marvel properties will tie in, because we have at least two, possibly three more series being released. Yeah, Probably Luke Cage, Luke Cage is coming out soon, and I think there's. I wish be... I
1: get to another Daredevil soon too.
0: Yeah, well Daredevil.
1: Oh, Jessica Jessica Jones has already been announced too.
0: Well, Jessica Jones is already out. Se- season two is anyway.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I watched it. I yeah,
0: <laughs> you can't even remember. <laughs> um, Daredevil... It's all so running
1: together.
0: Yeah, Daredevil season three has already been filmed and is in post production.
1: Oh, that's right. I remember you putting up a picture of.
0: Mm-hmm. The other, the only way I can think of is my philosophy on that is that the netflix properties are behind the time of the movies i really feel like they're not up to the same time frame as the movies are and i could be wrong on that but that's what they they feel like they're behind
1: well so much time has passed since the original avengers uh, Avengers movie Mm -hmm. but it it sure doesn't feel like that much time has passed in the daredevil luke Mm -hmm. cage jessica jones area
0: Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. I just I yeah, don't I don't I feel like they they are tracking time as quickly, and especially when uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming came out and and gave the time frame of of how long it's been uh, since uh, the you know the Battle of New York or whatever it is yeah. they call it. Yeah, I, I really feel like at least the first season of Daredevil was set way before that. So and and Daredevil's tracking about one year per season. So I don't know how um they could possibly have all that much time in there.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh we've gotten a little bit off track. We should probably jump into uh what we did and didn't like before we before we start talking uh Daredevil? The the <laughs> themes <laughs> the themes of Infinity War.
0: Yeah. Um well, you know, I I, I, I like I, the movie. I
1: do want to say Daredevil is my favorite Marvel character still. Still. But that's because he's a a strong faith Catholic.
0: Yeah. And and there's some weird faith things that go on in this movie that, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But what I did like about Infinity War was the shock ending. I like the fact that um, they kept us guessing. uh, No matter how much we anticipated what was going to happen in the movie, it surprised us. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people were hurt by that surprise. Uh, I saw a lot of people basically swearing off the MCU on Facebook because they were so (laughs) mad. Oh, come on. There was one lady I saw uh, posting in one of the forums I'm in that basically said that she couldn't even watch the older movies. It had ruined everything for her. That she was never going to watch another MCU movie. Hmm. I, I think that's a, a little bit drastic. Um, yeah, <laughs> just I, a little bit. Agree. But I think the humor was, it, it kind of reminded me of Ragnarok and that it's such a dark movie. And yet they keep it upbeat by throwing in sometimes very unnecessary humor. Yeah. But that's just the MCU, so you kind of get used to it.
1: Yeah, you feel like they had a comedian there just throwing lines in here and there, like when Thor was brought aboard the Guardian ship.
0: Well, the Guardians, of their whole genre is space Humor. comedy, yeah. Yeah. So trying to put them into a more serious MCU setting is difficult, and yep. uh, I I feel like they were, they were there almost as the comic relief. <laughs> Except Gamora had a very serious story going on, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, it, speaking of dark, <laughs> this movie has a huge cast
0: mm-hmm.
1: of all people who are used to being the star of their own movie, mm-hmm. and some really big names at that: Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans—you know, all of them. Uh-huh. And the writers, Lots of and actually. the directors. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think they did a really good job fitting them all together without making it feel overly cramped. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I I felt like everybody got a reasonable amount of time.
0: Yeah, and giving them concurrent stories so that they, they didn't actually have them all grouped together.
1: And uh, it, one other thing that I uh, particularly liked about this movie, maybe more than than anything else, was I liked how sympathetic they made Thanos. Uh, they really made him... He is still absolutely the Mad Titan. Yeah. But you understand where he's coming from. In the comic series that this is based on, he still, you know, snaps his finger and eliminates half the the life of the universe. Right. But he does it to impress Lady Death. I mean, it's a really weak, really weak reasoning. Yeah. And in the movie, I feel that uh, not only did the writers make it so that you could sort of feel where he's coming from but josh brolin really put that emotion into his performance and i really liked how they did that with this one
0: well i really felt like this this movie was thanos's story i mean they could have just as easily called this you know the age you know some kind of naming it after thanos you know yeah instead of making it the avengers movie because he's the hero and the fact the balance of thanos well yeah i mean the thing is is that it ends with with him reaching his goal, he gets all the stones and he restores balance to the universe according to his desires his will yeah. and and then he sits down and watches the sunset so it it's it's his story, and he did he did exactly what he what he was wanting to do and and so it's his story that's what the movie is and, and I could see why some people were upset by that. they were seeing Thanos as the villain who need, must be defeated mm mm-hmm. You know, movies that have sequels typically do end dark. If you could throw yourself back to the early 80s when Empire Strikes Back came out, it was tragedy. You know, yeah. it, it, it ended in such a dark way. And you're like, how can they possibly get over this, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't even see this, uh, Avengers 3 and uh, Avengers 4, uh, I don't even see them as sequels. Mm -hmm. I see them as a two-part movie, Mm -hmm. which is how it was originally pitched, but...
0: Can you imagine? It was already almost three hours long. Can you imagine the (laughs) second half?
1: (laughs) At the end of Avengers Infinity War, we are halfway through the movie, and I Mm -hmm. think people need to remember that. Yeah. Uh, We're halfway through the hero's journey here. It ain't over till the, the fat lady sings, and she ain't singing yet.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, she she vanished into dust.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> she couldn't sing. <laughs> she doesn't feel too good.
0: Yeah, I don't feel so good.
1: But uh, you're right. The entire movie, and much of what we have to discuss,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is about Thanos and his entire worldview.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: His logic and his his quest to get the Infinity Stones and the logic he's using to justify his actions really are what the movie's all about, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the whole restoring balance and I like that the flashbacks they gave you like to Gamora's childhood when she's taken in by Thanos and you you see just the supposed I, I don't know the the randomness of how he would just go to planets and just like divide people randomly and then shoot half of them. Yeah. And you'd kind of been told about that in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I think it was such a side story that it didn't mm-hmm. really impact your thinking as much as actually seeing it pictured the way they did in Infinity War. Just how ruthless that was.
1: Yeah, it's because the, the villain of uh, Guardians 1 was, um, was the Kree guy with the hammer. I can't remember his name. <laughs> And the the mentions of Thanos, uh, even that last mention at the end where Drax says Thanos is the real enemy, mm-hmm. even that all felt sort of forced to me. But you know, I let it slide because I knew by that point that Thanos was the big enemy. He had one of the uh, the teasers at the end of Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't uh, it? It showed him turning to face the camera and the big dun 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 moment.
0: Yeah, I think he was in several of the teasers. but yeah. the, And the thing was is that they were introducing characters that had all been affected by his one-man crusade to wipe out half the universe. Interesting aside on that is one of the videos that we'll put in the show notes is the, the screenwriter's pitch. And
2: <laughs>
0: one of the th- things he pointed out in that was that all life would not be just intelligent life. It would be plants and animals so does that mean that you know if there's only like one guy on a planet yeah. you know uh I, you think too deep
1: <laughs> i i read an article written by a mathematician that talks about just this kind of yeah. it, it seems to me that not only is he a mathematician but he's also an insurance actuary
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> because he got a little dry mm. but it was a fascinating article <laughs> There's a short dialogue from the movie that really lays out Thanos' m- motivation. And I, I thought we might try something interesting. <laughs> uh, you want to you read parts?
0: <laughs> sure. Why not?
1: You want to you be Doctor Strange or Thanos?
0: Oh, I'll be strange. I'm okay, always strange. Right.
1: <laughs> so I will be Thanos. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide? But random. This passion is far is fair for rich and poor alike. They called me a madman. What I predict came unannounced.
0: Congratulations, you're a prophet.
1: I'm a survivor.
0: Who wants to murder trillions?
1: With all the six stones, I can simply snap my fingers and they will cease to exist. I call that mercy. Then what? Finally, rest. Watch the sunrise on an ungrateful universe. The hardest choices require the strongest will. <laughs> so Thanos is like, he is convinced. Uh, he's a, a zealot in his own right. Mm-hmm. Chasing this idea of preventing the, the universe from having too many living beings.
0: <laughs> the destruction of resources. Yeah. and And, you know, from a certain perspective... That can seem like, like he says, mercy, because I remember a time speaking as a, as yeah. stewards, there was an instance uh, in the South where the white tailed deer uh, became vastly overpopulated because we had taken away all their natural predators Yep, and they were becoming very sickly and they were having herd problems because, you know, the, the lack of predators to take out the week and. They were reproducing at a horrible rate. And so they had to open, do open season and tell everybody to go mm-hmm. kill as many deer as possible to try and thin the herds down. Yeah. And it seems so cruel, but in the long run, we were doing it for the benefit of the, of the white tail deer because they needed calling in order to yeah. survive. And they were becoming diseased and, so there's a perspective on that of, you know, guarding your resources and and doing the proper stewardship of, you know, where that could actually make sense. Yep. And and it's really hard because when it's presented that way, you're like, "Oh, but it sort of makes sense, but at the same time as Dr. Strange so, you know, succinctly put, is genocide. And you yeah. you don't do that kind of thing. And I guess it's one thing when you do it for the dumb beasts, and it's another when you do it to sentient creatures who should be able to be making proper decisions in their own stewardship of their resources.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I was stationed at Fort Polk back in the, the early 90s, and as part of the base re- realignment and closure of the, of the Clinton administration, uh, Polk was downsized from like 35,000 troops to mm-hmm. uh, around 3,000. Um, And now it's a a special training facility for joint readiness. But one of the impacts of that downsizing was that there is now a herd of wild horses Hmm. that has taken over uh, the, what used to be, you know, area that they would do maneuvers in around Fort Polk. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was getting very bad, just like your your white-tailed deer. And the government issued uh, essentially a a kill order for a certain number of the horses to prevent uh, catastrophe Mm -hmm. for the entire herd.
0: So they all starve to death because they're in enough, you know.
1: And an environmental group filed suit and stopped it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's, you know, this is really just a situation of, I hate to go back to one of the staples of our (laughs)
2: podcast of our
1: yeah our (laughs) worldview podcast here but it's one of it's it's another instance of idolatry Mm -hmm. putting creation over uh creator Mm -hmm. we're called to be stewards of our environment but we're not supposed to put the environment over humanity yeah yeah over god's image or yeah
0: and and there's also the understanding that god is sovereign and he's got a plan in all of this which is what's sorely lacking obviously from infinity war because everybody's a God and nobody's the ultimate God in this, (laughs) in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of gods, little G's running around, but there's no ultimate authority that anybody is leaning on. And that is, you know, what a godless worldview looks like, you know, you're just all struggling around on your own subjective understanding of what's right instead of having an absolute standard for what's right. Yeah. And that's where the whole thing falls apart, because if Thanos believes what's right is, you know, reducing the impact on the resources so that there's enough to go around, how do you combat that? You know, that's his reasoning. You know, what is the argument against that? If if there's no ultimate authority to turn to.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it it sure doesn't seem like, let's just say, (laughs) for a moment that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was real, it doesn't seem like God would allow all this to happen. But even as powerful as the beings in this movie are, they are still nothing.
0: Compared to our God, yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, the God of Job and the God of Isaiah is yeah. beyond description further than thor or thanos
0: or y- loki <laughs> or loki <laughs> well, I, the god who dies at the beginning of yeah. infinity war
1: and you know I, I i was struck by how uh thanos is uh talking throughout the movie about seeking balance and uh, balance is a philosophy that that is an antithesis to reality because it you 've got physicists talking about entropy and how everything trends towards uh falling apart, mm-hmm. but
0: the laws of thermodynamics
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh, as Christians, we know that even as the physical realm may trend toward. Towards empathy, we know that the victory is already won.
0: Yeah, well, and and actually, entropy fits perfectly well into a Christian worldview because it's the result exactly. of sin. You know, that's, exactly that—that's where sin comes into it. It's the the cog in the perfect plan that God created, and He allowed it. I mean, it's not that it's out of His control; He simply allowed it because yep. there had to be consequences for disobedience. And so, you know, he, he just removed just a slight iota of his maintaining power from the universe so that it would become entropic. The idea of perfect balance is, I wouldn't say it's anti-biblical. I would just say that it's, it doesn't work with the concept of sin. Yeah. But it is, it, it is an ancient philosophy. And I know we've addressed this before in some of the movies that had a more Asian tilt and more um, yep. New Age or mythical. Kind of feel, the ancient Chinese philosophy of yin yang, yang is completely based on mm-hmm. the universal balance of equal opposites. But what's always fascinated me about that is is that the way they describe equal opposites is like light is the absence of dark and dark, dark is the absence of light. But that's actually not true because light is a presence, dark is its absence, right? And wet is a presence, and dry is its absence. And so good is God and bad is the absence of God.
2: Yeah.
1: And if I, if I'm not in a room, the room is not, (laughs) my lack of presence in a room is not a presence in and of itself.
0: Right. Right. And so I think that in some ways, the whole idea of universal balance is, doesn't work even with, with equal opposites because one is the absence of the other and they're not equal. One is the absence of one. Mm -hmm. And so they actually are not equal. And so that balance is impossible because there is either God or there's not God. (laughs) Right. You know? So, yeah, it's an interesting philosophy. And, you know, there's an interesting parallel going on in, uh, I I saw it pointed out in one of the forums that I was in, uh, somebody's, I think they kind of articulated what I was kind of already sensing in the movie. But they did like um, they were pointing out that at the end of the movie, some were chosen, some were not, um, Mm. which is kind of, you know, kind of implies a little bit of like what's going on in the in judgment in Revelation, regardless of where you put your eschatological beliefs. There is a godlike figure who sacrifices his child in order to accomplish his work of salvation which is really hard when that godlike person is actually the villain. Yeah. His cronies, the the people that hang out with him, they they do a lot of prophesying and they do it just in the in very much in the vein of Old Testament prophets, you know, preaching yeah. preaching the will of Thanos on a people that are facing judgment. And so it's very Old Testament feel to it. And then before he accomplishes his plan of salvation, he's very much a vengeful nature. Thanos very much appears like some people view the Old Testament God, and I would say as a Christian that there is no difference between God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament. But people looking out at the Bible as a whole, outside of an understanding given by the Holy Spirit, often see the Old Testament God as being a very vengeful and mean they don't see any love and compassion in his actions in the old Testament. Yeah, But, and that's the way, you know, Thanos very much appears.
1: Yeah. Thanos is the gospel without the good news.
0: Right. And, and then his getting the stones is, is kind of like his once and for all solution for plan of salvation. So just like with Jesus's act on the cross, it's, it's like a once for all. It's not something that has to keep happening. It was when Thanos got the stones, that was it. You know, snap of the fingers and, and he's, he's accomplished salvation. Mm-hmm. And then they pointed out that if you view the Bible from the perspective of the Gnostics, it's very similar to this movie and that the Avengers are the heroes because they're fighting God. Yeah. And and that's, you know, when you see that, it's this like anti-gospel, like this. it's like the whole concept, the whole story of the Bible turned on end where God is the bad guy. And the act of salvation is against the the moral accountability of the universe. Uh,
1: yeah, but Paul tells us that apart from the saving grace of Christ, we are the enemies. Right. So it, it, those who are not saved, God is the enemy to them. Mm-hmm. And it, God is their Thanos.
0: <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, the very interesting thing about that is that as atheists out there who purportedly do not believe in god spend an awful lot of time and energy fighting against god against yeah. the concept of god <laughs> and it, it never ceases to amaze me if you spend any amount of time on in open christian facebook forums or any other forums on the internet it, you know they they post a christian article and it doesn't take more than an hour before the atheists have showed up you know starting to call people names and and make you know snide comments and stuff and i honestly don't feel like christians do that a lot to atheist sites because we have better things to do with our lives than than go fight something we don't believe in
1: and you know unfortunately when christians do Respond in kind because it, let's face it, when people get in your face and start calling you names, it's easy to slip into the yeah, well, so's your mama. Yeah, <laughs> um, some Christian, not
0: very unchristian like behavior occurs.
1: Exactly, and when Christians do that, it
0: doesn't help. We have a, we have a witness <laughs> yeah.
1: that we're harming. On top of all that, right? So it it does double damage,
0: right? But at the same time, as I point out, I can't imagine there's very many of us that go purposely to hang out in atheist groups. No. (laughs) To target their belief systems.
1: Oh, man, I would go crazy.
0: Yeah. And the whole point is, is that there are I have enough
1: trouble in Christian groups.
0: (laughs) Well, there's these militant atheists that that seems to be all they – they don't have lives. All they do is hang out at Christian sites to mock the Christians. (laughs) And it's like, why? If you don't believe in God, why does it even matter to you what –
1: you know, not all atheists are trolls. No, so.
0: I agree. I I completely I, agree.
1: I suspect a lot of trolls are atheists, <laughs> but not all atheists are trolls.
0: Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the the issue is, is that in, in this movie you see them fighting God in the form of Thanos, and and he yeah. wins, and so it is very much an anti gospel. I don't really know what to do with that from a Christian standpoint, other than to say this is the way non-believers probably look at God Yeah. and we can look at that and go and understand why they have that philosophy that, uh, I mean, take the account of Noah's flood into our, you know, thought life here, mm-hmm. you know, God comes and he says, the whole world is wicked. I'm going to save eight people and everybody else is going to die. Hmm. That does look like a very vengeful, and
1: oh yeah, that's
0: uncompassionate thing to do, and uh,
1: the the one that always gets to me is when uh, the Israelites have come back have come into the promised land and they wipe everybody and on on more than one occasion. Their instructions are kill every man, woman, and child,
0: and the livestock and everything. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it, it, <laughs> I've said it before. I'll say it again. If I were a soldier. Back then, Ida had some real trouble with that, Mm -hmm. but it it takes a huge amount of faith. There is sort of a different reflection that we can draw from this, though, and and the Avengers know when they're fighting that Thanos intends to kill off half of all life, Mm -hmm. and they are fighting with all of their strength, and there's no one-upmanship they're they are all working together it is all teamwork it's all synchronicity and they are fighting their hardest to prevent thanos's action and you can sort of look at that as we should be looking at the the final coming it's when christ comes again
0: mm-hmm. that's our victory
1: it, but there are there are going to every unbeliever is gonna is gonna perish right and we shouldn't, and we should f- be
0: fighting for them. Yeah.
1: We should be pulling out our black Panthers <laughs> and our captain America. We should be getting that guy a shield Yeah, and we should be doing everything we can to fight for them yes. and lead them to the saving grace of Christ. And
0: you know, it's interesting because I think I've mentioned this in several other other episodes about a conversation, an ongoing correspondence that I've had with a, an atheist who reached out to me and and let's listen to our podcast and is really intrigued and and wanting to know, I I guess, understand our point of view. And I appreciate that in her. She's very open. And, you know, the more I talk to her, her attitude was, why can't you just let us be and, you know, believe what we want to believe? And why is it necessary for you to continually proselytize? and?" try to you know convert people and i tried to explain to her the whole concept of if you know people are heading for a cliff and they're going to Mm. perish wouldn't you do everything you could possibly do to stop them from going over that cliff and perishing
2: yeah
0: how can you call that hate that's love that's compassion that's that's wanting somebody not to perish and that should be our our position. I mean that's that's what motivates us to never give up on those we know who aren't saved because we want them to not perish. We want them to live forever with us.
1: I always thought of it as sort of like uh, a sleeping and burning house. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to let them sleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They may burn to death, but it's going to be because we they resisted us dragging them out of the house. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not for lack of trying. Not
0: for lack of trying. And they could hate us for that, but that that's our motivation. It's like we we understand what the eternal cost is, and they can decide there isn't an eternal cost, but that doesn't mean it isn't there. That I guess that's one of the biggest reminders we can take from this movie is that there is a concerted effort that even in the end when so many are lost, you know they're not going to stop trying.
1: Yeah. You know what? We need to keep doing it though mm-hmm. because uh Matthew 10:22 you will be hated by everyone because of my name. Mm-hmm. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I would rather be hated for waking somebody up.
0: And even in than in in, the, in the,
1: live with not doing yeah, so. Yeah,
0: even in the account of Noah and the flood. I really think that Noah was I mean in Hebrews they refer to Noah as the a preacher of righteousness. I don't think that he went into that boat and God closed the door without spending every last breath he had trying to encourage people to come with them. I I really feel like God chose the eight people that were saved because they were the only eight people who could be saved because the sin was just so horrible in the world. Nobody was listening to Noah. He was trying to warn them and they didn't listen. And it says in the new Testament, it tells us that as in the days of Noah, so will it be in the end times that People will not be listening. They will not be hearing the good news. They will turn a blind eye to God and they will suffer the judgment because they refuse. They refuse salvation.
1: Despite all the signs and Mm -hmm. and portents to the contrary, I'm not at all versed in end times eschatology, (laughs) but I am sure that nobody will be going blind into the end times. Everybody will ha- will have had a chance to see God as he is.
0: I had a, a pastor once that, that preached on, on hell and the final judgment, not necessarily from an eschatological viewpoint, like when it's going to happen or anything like that, but it's it's very obvious from scripture when you do a study of it, that even those who are unsaved who face judgment and eternity in the lake of fire, eternal suffering, they will be praising God because they will know that he was righteous in his judgment. And that's a hard concept to run, wrap your mind around that as even those who reject him in this life in in eternity they will understand that his his punishment is just. And that's a hard concept. <laughs> but like you I try not to take a, a firm eschatological stance. But can you not admit that there was definite rapture? visuals mm-hmm. in this movie uh i actually oh
1: definitely the,
0: the second time that i watched it that i was watching it with a different group of of people and what, the girl that was sitting next to me um in that scene where everybody's going to dust she's like the rapture and i'm like well yeah <laughs> it is sort of a rapture isn't
1: it yeah it's like an anti-rapture though mm-hmm. because it, the they chosen
0: don't... stay instead of
1: they yeah yeah I don't know if this was part of the movie or not, but in the storyline, it wasn't that they died. It was that they
2: ceased to exist. Right. And, but yet they and, all
0: felt ill heading up to, you know, you, yeah. you don't feel so well. And then they they felt it coming, sadly mm-hmm. enough. That's where the, the whole the buildup to... Supposed they killed off the kid! Yeah, they they took Spider-Man, and he's, like, pleading, and had his arms around, you know, Stark, pleading, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go! Take Stark, he's a jerk! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see Spider-Man again.
1: Yep, uh, I certainly hope
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think
1: one video I saw suggested maybe the next Spider-Man movie is actually going to be Ned putting on the Spider-Man suit.
0: <laughs> well, I guess there have been other Spider-Mans, so I don't know.
1: Yeah. It, no, it'll be. I, I am sure it will be Tom Holland in the suit.
0: <laughs> oh, I just love that line he said when he, he stowed away. He made the comment. He's like, I can't be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there isn't a neighborhood <laughs> And then he's like, I'm sorry, that didn't make any sense. And I'm like, yeah, actually, it did make sense. It makes <laughs> yeah. sense to me. <laughs> oh, I love Spider-Man. I, I've liked yeah. all of the ver- different versions of Spider-Man. So do we want to deal very quickly with some of our theories since we've discussed about the dusting and uh, how everybody vanished at the end of the movie? I have some theories. I don't know okay. whether whether uh, it's, they are the same you, as your you theories. Take,
1: you take the lead.
0: Okay. So my theory is we might see Gamora again. I think she's actually, her soul is trapped in the soul stone and so it could be traded for. So I think she has mm-hmm. a chance of coming back. I believe everyone dusted at the end is an altered reality due to the reality stone and Thanos's will being uh, imposed on the reality stone. So if you can get the reality stone away from Thanos then reality will assert itself. And the reason why I say that is because when the Guardians are fighting Thanos on Nowhere, he changes a couple of them. He alters the reality. Mm -hmm. And so when he leaves, they go back to normal. Remember that?
1: Uh, Yeah. I I remember when Drax and Mantis were made into Slinkies.
0: Well, Slinky and a crumbled rock. Yeah, Drax was, oh, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah, Drax was the rock, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that was really harsh." And then I was a little disappointed when they <laughs> when, when they reformed. I yeah. was like, "I
0: expected it to be a little more permanent." Yeah, but it wasn't. As soon as he left and took his will away, yeah, they reasserted themselves. So,
1: well, that was it, that was the effect of the reality stone, though, right? Yeah. So
0: I know that it's all six stones together that gave him the ability to wipe everybody out. But I think he altered reality through time and space and hid the souls. So I think they're all working together, but I don't think any of it, it's all his imposed will. And so if you it, get the stones away from him, his will is no longer imposed on this altered reality and and reality, the real reality will reassert itself.
1: I don't know. It, it, it seems like they, from a storytelling standpoint, they can't, just undo all the fadeaway deaths that they had. I think some of them have to stay dead. We know that Tom Holland is going to come back. We know that Marvel, the business behind Marvel Disney, would not allow Black Panther to not return.
0: Well, he, no. see, this is my theory: is is that we know that there is going to be sacrifices in the second movie. So here's my theory: is 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 that reality will reassert itself. And the people who have died will come back. But in order to make that reality reassert itself, the ones that are left at the Infinity War have to sacrifice their lives to get the gauntlet away from Thanos.
1: So it's people will come back, but not all of them will stay alive.
0: Or it'll be a trade-off. Or or it'll be a trade-off. The old ones will go. The new ones will come back.
1: Yeah, the the ones with contracts that have expired <laughs> are gonna go right.
0: So Captain America and Thor and Stark, Tony Stark, and yeah. you know all of the ones that are left at the end will at least if not all not if not all some of them will sacrifice their lives in order to get the gauntlet away from thanos and when they get the yeah. gauntlet away from thanos reality will reassert itself and the half of the people that disappeared because of his will being put on the stones to make half the universe disappear will come back because reality so, will fix itself
1: do you think that they'll put the stone back on vision and vision will come back
0: now that vision's another matter i don't know whether he's it's possible to bring him back
1: it's, it's the same thing with Loki for me, yeah, too. Yeah, I don't know that I,
0: Loki will come back. The only reason why I think Gamora has a chance is because she was exchanged for the Soul Stone. So I think she uh, is in the okay. Soul Stone. So theoretically, somebody could trade with her and she could come out. That's my theory, in anyway. The, in,
1: the, in the comic books, Vision is a, a long time. I mean, he has his own... He has multiple of his own series. Right. So uh, it seems like eliminating him as a... Revenue stream is not the best, <laughs> the best business choice. Well, next year, and Paul Bettany is such a good actor well, too. Next year,
0: we'll come around and we'll see how many of my theories are correct. But yep, that's my theory. And of course, then the other one is really obvious, and everybody's always already been talking about the fact that Doctor Strange's uh, comment about the, you know, what fourteen million possible futures yeah. and only one of them they win, and then he just gives up the time stone, even though he'd said earlier on that mm-hmm. that he if it came to stark and for, and the boy's life versus losing the stone he would go he would protect the stone and then he turns around and gives the stone up to protect stark's life so you knew there was something going on there and so w- w-
1: wait a minute all of reality is saved by the old saying if you love something you gotta let it go <laughs> all of reality is saved by a
0: 1970s love song <laughs> That's a little disturbing, and and that that's actually one of the flaws in the movie because he's supposed to give up something he he the thing he loves the most in order to get the soulstone. So he kills Gamora, and as Gamora succinctly puts, "This isn't love," you know.
1: You know, I think that he does love Gamora, though. Yeah, I but think he it's doesn't. A twisted love it. version of love. He
0: doesn't love her more than he loves. His, his destiny? His, his concept of what he's supposed to do with the stones.
1: I ignored my destiny once. I cannot do that again, even for you. I'm sorry, Gamora. Uh-huh. That's, that's so... He he doesn't love her as much as he loves his, his destiny, but, it, you know, I got the sense that it wasn't his destiny, but the concept that he was the only one who could bring this... Mythical balance to the universe.
0: He's the only one with the strong enough will. Yeah. And to be honest, that whole concept that he's that it takes a strong will. I I I kind of understand what he's saying. Is like it's it's not an easy task. What he's doing is hard, and he's giving up things. In fact, there was a quote.
1: I know what it's like to lose, to feel so desperately that you're right, yeah, yet to fail nonetheless. It's frightening, turns the legs to jelly. I ask you, to what end? Dread it, run from it, destiny arrives all the same, and now it's here. Or should I say, I am. (laughs) You know, I don't actually remember that quote from the movie. I don't either. When would he have said that? He
0: was in the trailer. They they did a lot Uh, of stuff in the trailer that actually wasn't in the movie.
1: They seem to be doing that more and more over the last 10 years or so, putting stuff in the trailer that isn't included in the final cut.
0: Or, some, or even altering the scenes. Uh so anyway back to my doctor strange comment about the he, that he's playing towards a particular one future that he knows where they'll win. And so he makes mm-hmm. his decisions based on what will bring about the ending that in which they win and that appears to be that Thanos has to get the stones for that win to occur. And yeah. and so that's the the screenwriter thing that we we're going to share kind of plays off of that a little bit you know that's their fail safe when everybody goes but why did they do this or why did they do that we just say because dr strange saw the one future where yeah. they would win that's kind of their do sex machina that fixes everything
1: <laughs> it's her excuse to cover all their mistakes
0: yeah yeah well that's because dr strange saw it that way but yeah it's a um it's not even just a theory. That's the way they built the movie was so that mm-hmm. you could come out going, well, that's the way Dr. Strange saw it. So they had to let Thanos win. That was their only and way of course to victory.
1: It's, it's vague enough that we can't possibly draw any solid conclusions.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So we're, we're stuck waiting until uh, April of next year or May of next year to, uh, to figure out exactly what he meant. And even then we may not find out exactly what he meant.
0: Well, and, and, you know, the weird thing is, is that in, they're actually throwing their own thing back because in, uh, Dr. Strange, the ancient one is talking to Dr. Strange in, in the movie, Dr. Strange. Um, she says that she cannot see past her own death. Mm -hmm. So if Dr-
1: oh, so, oh, I didn't catch that. Nice catch.
0: <laughs> so if Doctor Strange can't see past his own death, and yet he saw the one future in which they could win, is the one where he fades away into dust. That doesn't make yeah. any sense.
1: <laughs> so we know Benedict Cumberbatch is back. <laughs> Or either that or they have a, a, a big pretty serious continuity <laughs> yeah. hole. Yeah.
0: Which is not unheard of. I mean, they're not perfect. They can't think of everything.
1: Yeah. I saw a uh, discussion on, um, you know, the whole idea in the Marvel Cinematic Universe of gods and, and uh, Thor and Loki and Odin all being gods. And somebody pointed out that in the first Thor movie, Thor actually sitting around the campfire with... Um, uh, Natalie Portman's character—I can't remember her name—says uh, uh, you know goes into that whole Carl Sagan thing of uh, what you call magic is just uh, high, science; it's science. one in the same yeah, thing. Yeah, that you haven't discovered yet. And in the first movie,
0: they went to a lot of trouble to say they he don't wasn't call a themselves
1: god. gods. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He he goes out of the way to say that he's not a god, but in the second movie and the third movie. Uh, they actually refer to themselves as gods. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're embracing their role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But uh, in Avengers, Loki goes, I have an army. And, and Stark says, well, we have a Hulk. And the Hulk proceeds to beat the living crap out of Loki. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, there's a mirror of that where uh, Loki says to Thanos, well, we have a Hulk. Mm-hmm. And then Thanos uh, proceeds
0: to beat the Hulk.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, you have different levels of power, and really, all it is is if you're powerful enough, you're perceived as as a god. Mm-hmm. But none of them are god, right? None of them are gods. Um,
0: and the fact that they can die is the yeah the number one thing. I mean, of course, Christ could die, but he rose again, and it wasn't a permanent death, and and then they bring up the whole concept of resurrection with Loki because he keeps tricking his death and not actually mm-hmm. dying. And in this movie, he really looks really dead. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. And Thanos says, "No resurrection for you this time." Right. You know, I I gotta say, Loki's death was a little cheapened by the fact that we go into this break between the movies knowing that uh, that s- at least some of the deaths are not going to be permanent. Yeah. So not knowing if if Loki is permanently dead, um, he sure lo- which would be It
0: would have yeah, to. He
1: un- really did look uh, him and Vision. I think yeah. are two deaths that can't really be undone.
0: And the the guy that would open the Hemdall.
1: Heimdall, Heimdall, yeah. yeah. Um, the
0: the other thing about Loki that was kind of cheapened was that he's the god of tricks, and his last trick yep. was pulling a dagger on Thanos. I mean, that yeah, was like it
1: was sort of weak, wasn't yeah. it?
0: It's like, you could come up with something better than that. It's like, you could literally pull the Tesseract out of mid- out of air, but you can't better hide a dagger.
1: It seems like you could have come up with something better, being the trickster god.
0: <laughs> anyway, there was an interesting article that I saw shared about the concept of Thor versus the Hulk. Who would be, if they went up against each other, who would win. And the actual creator of the comics came forward and said that Thor would win um, against the Hulk. Yeah. So the fact that Hulk lost to Thanos. Now, the interesting thing, I think somebody, I heard somebody mention it at the first showing, with the the way that Thanos and the Hulk um, went together, um, that the Hulk is used to just brutal strength. He doesn't have, yep. he doesn't know how to fight. He just uses his brutal strength against everything. Thanos has brutal strength and an actual style of fighting. So, yeah. The Hulk was bested by somebody who actually knew how to fight and yep. and could match him strength for strength. And so the, the Hulk needs to learn how to fight.
1: <laughs> yeah, he didn't the, the Hulk didn't lose by not being stronger even though he wasn't. Right. He lost because that was all he brought to the party. Right was his strength and a rudimentary understanding of tactics.
0: Which is why he wouldn't come out for the rest of the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: He was a little... Yeah. He, he's not used to losing, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, it, seeing the Hulk as a whipped puppy, it really... <laughs> I couldn't have planned that. So <laughs> seeing him that way really was pretty powerful. The hero, or anti-hero, or however you want to look at mm-hmm. the Hulk... The one who could just beat Loki to uh, to a pulp is so scared that he won't even come out anymore. Beauty God, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is interesting. You put in the notes uh, questioning Groot's divinity, and I think it's an interesting character because, obviously, the side effect of you know pulling all the jokes about his immaturity and you know teenage mm-hmm. years and stuff. Putting that aside. He does seem to be somewhat immortal because, I mean, he basically gave his life in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. He gives his yeah. life to save the friends, right? And and they plant him and he regrows and he goes through adolescence and, you know, teenage years and all that. And then he has a moment where he pulls back that whole understanding of who he's supposed to be, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he steps forward and sacrifices
0: some of himself. Yeah, some of himself, and then he actually fights in the final battle. So Mm -hmm. he grows up in the movie again. Yeah. So yeah, he's a very interesting character because he doesn't...
1: In the comics, he is a significantly more... Even though he always has the same line. I am Groot. (laughs) He's a significantly deeper... Presence, um, you know how in um, in the second Guardians of the Galaxy, Ego had that that plant that he planted mm-hmm. on all the worlds, right. and and in the comics, and uh, I may be going out into left field, but Groot's root system was much more. Groot was almost that tree, the tree that uh, Odin repre- references in the first Thor movie. Hmm. I think Groot really is. Closer to a divinity than any of the other characters that are not referred to as gods in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think he just is. And yet he's one of the ones
0: that's dusted at the end, which I find fascinating because
1: technically
0: he's a plant.
1: Yeah. Why didn't any of the other plants go? Why didn't half the trees around them (laughs) vanish?
0: So, once again, you can't think about it too deeply. (laughs)
1: i really hope that some of these questions that that are put forward in like that that pitch Mm -hmm. and uh that we're asking here i i hope they're written they're already written into the script for the second one that they're thrown out there to make us ask these questions Mm -hmm. that would be very pleasant and it wouldn't be the first movie that did that either
0: yeah well they've already filmed a good bit of it haven't they I mean, aren't they? Oh, they, I,
1: they must have. Yeah, I
0: think they filmed them back to back. So they're probably just in post-production at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how much they can answer questions that are arisen from people seeing the first movie when the second movie is already filmed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. Maybe they had. Yeah. Maybe they foresaw that we would be asking these questions. <laughs> maybe they wanted See us. how
1: talented the writers yeah. are. <laughs> maybe yeah. they
0: wanted us to be asking these questions few random thoughts i think there are, there's things that just don't fit into any world discussion yeah one of the ones i wanted to talk about was the fact that they're they unite against a common enemy we have several schisms going on uh prior to infinity war we have uh, captain america and his group are technically criminals because they refuse to sign this peace accords and mm-hmm. We have Stark and his group not talking to them and so, you know, Dr. Vanner brings in the the whole it doesn't matter who you're not talking to, Thanos is coming. We need to unite, yeah. you know. And then there's the phrase Sam talking to the leaders of the world or whoever they are. Um yeah. s- telling them they're only criminals because that's what you choose to call them. So there's this this division over petty differences that we have to come together against a common common uh, enemy. And I think that that's a good reminder from a political standpoint here in the United States is that the United States has a lot of infighting. We have a lot of uh, factions that don't agree, but when we have a common enemy, we're all still Americans. And I think it, it yep. behooves us to remember, be that can be, there's Christian parallels to that too. I mean, different churches have different doctrinal stands that they argue about, but in the long run death and Satan is our enemy and we should be uniting to save the world against them, you know? So there's lots of little uh, ways that you can pull that parallel in is that no matter what our infighting is, no matter what our divisions are, we, we need to be able to unite against a common enemy.
1: Mm -hmm. We we have to remember who the enemy is. (laughs) Yeah. Both in, uh, in questions of faith and in American politics, (laughs) Folks. folks, yeah,
0: Come on, let's quit fighting.
1: Yeah. We need our own vision and Scarlet, <laughs> our own Romeo and Juliet to pull everyone together.
0: Yeah. yeah. They are kind of a Romeo and Juliet, aren't they? We cannot talk, have a Christian worldview podcast and not talk about the one point in the whole movie where Jesus name. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't used in vain. Yay! <laughs>
0: it was a really cute line, actually. Um Doctor Strange and Stark and Spider-Man have created a trap that they're hoping will catch Thanos. And instead it catches the Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's this little fight that goes on. And Strange asks, what master do you serve? Because he's starting to figure out that maybe these are not Thanos' people.
1: (laughs) Imagine that. Uh,
0: Peter Peter Quill comes up with this really cute line. He says, what master do I serve? What am I supposed to say, Jesus?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That one was really out of the left field. Yeah, it
0: really was. And I I guess, you know, coming from the fact that he is supposedly uh, the half half deity because his father mm-hmm. was a god.
1: Well, half, Celest- half, celestial, half celestial or however
0: you want to put that,
1: which granted is above the level of Thor <laughs> on, the, on the power scale, yeah. but not yet a god. So I'm not I don't know. But He
0: doesn't have any power because he destroyed his source of power when he killed his father. Yep. He doesn't have any godlike power anymore.
1: It's, I thought it was interesting because you know when he was taken from Earth, he was a ten-year-old kid. Yeah. So uh, to that seems really theologically deep for him to say, w- "What am I supposed to say, Jesus?"
2: <laughs> well,
1: uh, it seems deep for a guy who hasn't been in a Christian environment since he was ten and abducted by aliens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. That may be what he. I mean, Christianity was probably a little bit more front and center in that era that he was supposedly oh. taken away from,
1: and the environment he was taken from yeah. too. Yeah,
0: so it, it not completely out of left field, but it was kind of yeah,
1: fun. yeah. It was it was a nice nod.
0: Well, I think we've probably shared enough random thoughts. I'd really like to know what everybody else thought about the movie and if they see any other biblical theological stuff that mm-hmm. we missed. I'm sure we missed a ton because it's just as you said before we started filming it seems like we're missing something like there's something else there that we're just overlooking somehow
1: yeah this this one it it, it's it's like uh it's like trying to hold those water-filled balloons (laughs) it just
0: keeps washing around in your hands yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and i i I think it's all going to firm up with the second movie too Mm -hmm. um uh the other half of infinity war yeah Whatever it's called. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward when to they name it. getting to that one and saying, here's what we meant. <laughs> yeah.
0: That means we're going to have to do an episode on it, you know?
1: Yeah. And you know what? Even if I am completely superheroed out or completely Star Wars out or completely Disneyed out, we will definitely do the second half of Infinity War.
0: <laughs> as long as we're still here. Lord willing.
1: Yeah. God willing. <laughs> God willing. Exactly.
0: If you would like to give us feedback on this episode, which we really would like to hear, please join us in the discussion group on Facebook. You'll find that by searching for Are You Just Watching? And look for the group. Um, We're the only group out there called that, so you should be able to find us. Or you can, of course, go to our show notes at com slash 81. Leave a comment there. Um, You can leave us a voicemail at 903-231-2221. Or you can email us feedback at com. Be sure to please, 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 please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. That helps us out so much.
1: Yep. So there are so many ways to get the podcast, but iTunes is still still the leader. Yeah, it's still
0: the leader. And we'd want you to share our podcast on Facebook and other social media, Twitter. Try to get the word out. If you like what we do, we need to grow our audience. So share us. Let other people know what we're doing. And. To be honest, I hate asking for money, but our patreon uh support has really kind of shrinking a little bit. Mm. We still have the same dedicated subscribers that we've had for a while, but it is shrinking, and we uh would would dearly love to keep that support going that helps us keep doing what we 're doing and we don't make money at this it's it's a labor of love, but yep. we do have expenses, so we really would appreciate. If just five people gave $5 a month, that would be amazing, you know. So uh, we do want to give special thanks by name to Craig Hardy, Richard French, and Stephen Brown II, our very good supporters that have been giving over a year.
1: Thank you, folks. Yeah, we really,
0: really appreciate the gifts, and we'd really like more people to give. So go to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash are you just watching and consider giving us a small monthly gift. We actually know what we're going to record our next episode on. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how many of you are familiar with a theatrical documentary that came out in 2016. Um, It's called The Red Pill, and it is by Cassie J. And I stumbled upon it uh, listening to some interviews on on some Facebook media, never even heard about it. And I watched it more as a, uh, just a curiosity and I really felt like this movie is missing a Christian worldview application. So mm. Tim and I are going to um, discuss it in our next episode. And we may end up having enough material to do um, two episodes. I don't know. We'll see. And it's um, I will strongly caution since uh, we typically don't do um, stuff that's rated R uh, in this podcast. So we have occasionally stepped into the M.A. range <laughs> Um, yeah the um this movie contains some pretty horrific language
1: yeah it's all it, protests
0: uh, it, uh, filmed protests yeah.
1: protesters yelling at each mm-hmm. other
0: and it's some of the worst language i think i've ever heard so if if you're easily offended by language you might want to watch this with a filter <laughs> <laughs> if you watch it at all or you could just listen to what we have to say about it because i'm I'm pretty sure we'll cover most of the points when we talk about it so tune in to our next episode because it will be on the red pill i don't know when it will be coming out but it will be on the red pill until then yep. i am eve franklin
1: i'm tim martin
0: and don't just watch Are You Just Watching is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Subscribe to more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at NoodleMix.net.